please say a courageous plan, courageous to, help plan. to help the home team. This is a series this month where we're talking about how we can help your home team, the people in your family, the people that are around you, the people that you deal with every single day. For a lot of people, they don't understand why their family is where it is. They, they just can't figure it out. And for a lot of us, if we're not careful, especially busy people, we get so focused on doing all these other things that the home team falls apart. And what I've been doing over the last three weeks is laying out for you a way to help the home team. The first week of our study, I told you that the first thing you should do is you should make sure you have the right job description. I'm with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, and I showed you how God told Moses, Moses rather told the people of Israel, he said, listen, here's your job description. When you walk through the land and when you're walking along the way with your children, teach them what I've told you. That is your job. And I went on to say that one of the mistakes we've made in our culture is we've made it the job of the church to train your children. We've made it the job of the community to educate your kids. It's somehow their job. Now, I understand there's a role they play. I believe that government should help. I believe in, in community help and support. But the main, my main job description as a parent is to parent my kids. I can't delegate that away to the church. I can't make that somebody else's responsibility. The second thing I talked to you about was not only should you make sure that you, you understand your job description, because if you do, you won't spend time doing things you shouldn't be doing. You can say no because you can say that's not my job description. The second thing I told you was you've got to be careful that your home team is not divided. So the first thing I said was if the home team does not understand its job description, it will hurt the home team. If your family doesn't know what they're supposed to do and not do, it's going to hurt your team. You won't do well. The second thing I said, if you are divided, if there's division in your home team, you won't survive. And Jesus said that. Now, this is very important. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, he said this. And this is not in your notes. You might want to write it down. Here's what he said. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. First thing you got to do is know your job description. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. Second thing you got to do is make sure you're not divided. If your house is divided, here's what Jesus said. Your house will fail. Your marriage will fail. It will eventually fail, eventually. If you don't learn, now doesn't mean you all think exactly alike, but it means you don't live in a life where you're always in strife. I, I see this all the time. I do my best to help people manage it, but you've got to come to a place where you're not always divided. And thirdly, today, you have to learn how to manage unforgiveness. If unforgiveness lives in your family, you will not do well. Now, I'm going to show you how to balance that because it's an interesting struggle people have. They say, yeah, I might forgive them, but I can't forget. And I understand that. And I'm going to show you in some ways God doesn't want you to forget. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is, is how you manage the wrong done to you. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus takes this whole topic on, and what he does is he lays out an argument starting in verse 15. And what I've done is I've posed these as questions, eight questions that kind of will guide you through the process. If your home team can respond to these eight questions properly, it will help you manage unforgiveness because here's what I want you to understand. People will do you wrong. It is inevitable that somebody is going to, in some way, offend you, and you cannot avoid that. That's part of the life. That's part of the journey. 
It's, it's unavoidable. Now watch this. How many of you have done somebody? You ready? Buckle up. You're sitting before the heaven and the throne. Let's say it another way. You might handle this better. How many of you have ever had to apologize? I won't ask you for what. But you've had to say, I'm sorry for this or that. I won't ask how many times have you been tempted to not tell the truth because it would embarrass you. I remember I went to, um, I thought it was this hilarious lady. I went to a lady, and I did not understand uh, because we did our own property. Uh, we didn't understand buying stuff and owning stuff. Even when I became the pastor of this church, I was in my early 20s. We'd never, I'd never purchased a property. We lived in a rental property all my life. So I had no idea what a closing was. I really didn't fully understand, um, sorry to say, um, what it meant to go in and fill out an application for a loan where you bought a house. I didn't know they asked for your balance sheet, which means they want to know how much money you have, what your net worth was. I didn't understand that concept. Not really. So I went in this place. I told this before, and I asked the lady, asked me, she said, um, well, let's, let's fill out your application for this house. She says, uh, so let's start with your finances. This evening, oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't ask anybody about their money. She said, well, what, what is your income? And then, okay. Then she said, okay, let's talk about your assets. Okay, now how much cash do you have? Like right now? You don't ask anybody that on, on the middle, in the middle of the month. You ask somebody that on the 15th and the 30th. You understand? You don't ask somebody just on the 21st. You don't ask somebody that question. What's wrong with you? <laughs> ask me that question. She said, well, now just guess. I said, I can't guess. In my head, I said, somewhere between 5 and $6. I don't know, somewhere in there. Somewhere, somewhere in between there. I don't know. I didn't come in here to get, like, personal. You know, you're getting real personal now. My Lord, how much cash do I have? On payday, I, I can tell you what I got. That's hilarious. <laughs> Did you lie that day? Yeah, I lied that day. <laughs> Say he's sanctified and didn't tell her the truth. I said, no. I need to go and gather some money, and I will come back to you <laughs> at, at the appropriate time. And I did. I mean, I bought the house eventually. It worked out. But it was a shocking moment for me. It was a powerful moment. All of us have had to say we're sorry. All of us have had to face ourselves. That's why some of you don't like marriage. Marriage is, is a naked experience. You can fake all you want when you're single. You can lie about your money. You can lie about stuff. You can like your hair always look that good. They, don't, they have not seen you in the morning. <laughs> you can lie a whole lot. You know, when you're single, you can lie a lot. You do. You can lie all the time. You can tell people, hey, I remember when they broke my heart. And you, but when people get to know you, they say, oh, that's why he left you. Uh-huh. That's why, that's why she left you. That's why I see now what the deal is. Come on, say amen if you hear me. Now, come on. I'm not saying all single people are liars. I'm just simply saying you can lie more than when you get married. So if you, if you, don't, plan to stop, if you, if you don't plan to stop lying, don't get married. <laughs> all your stuff going to come out in the open. <laughs> and you will be saying, I'm sorry. You will. I promise you. Eight questions about unforgiveness that I think will help you, your home team. Let's start with the first question. So how do you, how do you resolve? Come on. Conflict. Say it again. So how do you resolve conflict? I love Matthew 18, verse 15, because Jesus had this great, you know, Middle Eastern approach, which is 
quite uncommon for us. Saving face is really important in certain parts of the world. You just don't say things. Americans sometimes aren't aware of how direct you can be, uh, and we interpret the Bible that way. You know, if somebody offends you, go to them and tell them what you think, you know. And somehow we think that we read that with an American approach. Other cultures would read it with a little bit of a different approach. It's how you tell them. Jesus said it this way. If your brother sins against you, we're talking about somebody close to your brother, go and tell him his fault between you, read it with me please, and him where? Alone. I want you to go to him alone. This needs to be a private moment. Try to do it in private. To resolve conflict, you, you want to make sure you're not creating another problem. If you say it in front of people first, now we have another issue, embarrassment. It's where you say it. It's how you say it. The same thing is true for children, by the way. It's where you say it. It's how you say it. It's the tone in which you say it. And there's something really important about being clear. And in that moment, there is a there is this um, <laughs> there is this uh, uh, boy. I want to give an example. It's hilarious. My little, little grandbaby, she um, did something. I said, "Don't do that, Milani." She said, "Don't talk to me like that. Don't talk like that." <laughs> I said, well, "Okay, Milani." And that's why I said, "Thank you, Papa." Okay, I'll do it. Well, I mean, wait a minute. I'm correct me. You're three years old. What are you doing? But in that moment, she's right. Try. Try it the nice way first. Nicer way. Sometimes as a parent, you're firm. Sometimes when you're offended, you say it anywhere, any place, anytime, in any tone. Anywhere, any place. And sometimes you don't realize it. Sometimes your children are right. You are reckless when you say it. You have no regard for where you are. Now, sometimes you've got to say it the way you need to say it. Then we've got to deal with it when we have to deal with it. But, but I think it's powerful that he said the first thing you want to do is you want to say this in private. You want to try to find a way. And then if that doesn't work, we take a second step. Are you in a strife right now with somebody simply because of where you said it? I always ask this question, so where are you? Look around you. Look around you and measure the moment. I try to help people when things are out of whack. I try to help myself. I try to think about it, and I'm, I don't know why I'm belaboring this. Maybe somebody needs this. But I know in raising my kids, I had to learn that. This is not just for adults. It's for your brother, your sister, your family members. Why are, you, why are you saying things in places that create a whole nother crisis? And sometimes someone needs to remind you. That may be true, but can we go in another room and talk about that? Do we have to say this here? Do we have to put this person on, on, on the highlight reel? Do we have to tell other people like this? This is between you and the person. So try to do it privately. Then he says, now watch this now. He says, uh, if, they, if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or how many? Two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses. 
Every word may be established. I love the fact that he says, I want you, if you can't work it out, bring people into the conversation. I want you to bring other people in the conversation. Don't, don't have this, it's my business, it's my world. Allow someone else. And I love these. this, try two, that didn't work, try three. This, this is from the mouth of Jesus. If you want to make sure this is work, going to work, let other witnesses be present. Then he says this. How do you deal with people that you cannot resolve conflict with? How do you deal with people who will not resolve conflict? And there are people like that. And there are moments you can't do anything about it. Basically, what he's going to say is this. Listen to what he says in verse 17. If he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Notice, he keeps saying, try again, try again, try two, try three. And if that doesn't work, take it to the elders. Try to take it someplace. He wants you to not give up on the first run. At the first sign of differences or disagreements or conflict. Don't, don't get divorced because you have one conflict or two or three. Now, I want you to listen closely, though. He says, but if he refuses even to hear the church, here's what you do. This is hard. Let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. This is painful stuff. Basically, he says this. Do your part. If that doesn't, doesn't change, then you move on. There's a verse that's not in your notes. You can write it down. It's Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. It's the, note, the verse that I, I always found fascinating. In Matthew 10, 14, Jesus in describing when you go to people's houses and you try to work out, you know, try to, you know, be kind to them. And if they don't respond to you, here's what he says. You take, you shake the dust off your feet. There comes a moment when you said, I, I can't resolve this. I, I'm, I am trying. Now, I want you to be careful that you try it in the right way. I have to listen to you. I can't just come to you with my perspective. I can't listen to correct you. I have to hear what you say and assign value to it. But, but let's say you know that they've done something wrong and you cannot resolve this with them. You have to come to a place where you understand that's just not something you can fix. There, there are people who uh, don't like me and I don't have the power to fix that for them because they want me to be a way I, I can't be. I have had people, who, and not a lot, but a few here and there, you know. And one time I remember, it was so classic. This is a classic. You know, I love when people say things about you, at least if they say it with style, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? They said, I had knowledge from college and no anointing. I remember that. I thought, really? I said, that was good, man. I liked that. that was, <laughs> I laughed about it. I said, really? Knowledge from college and no anointing. Now, what they were saying was that I teach too much. They wanted me to moan a little bit more. They wanted me to say, well, Jesus. And I, I used to do that, but I got lost. <laughs> I couldn't keep up. I, I did. I'd, I'd get lost. I'd be trying to keep up. And, you know, you start talking fast. You don't know what you're saying. Say amen. Just say amen. That's how you get out of it. <laughs> or you start fussing at the people. You're not with me. You're not with me. No, you're not with yourself. You don't know where you are. <laughs> you read this verse and you haven't talked about it for 30 minutes. That's not my fault. You don't want to get up there. I'm sorry. Anyway, so, so I, I adopted my teaching style for me. At least I know where I'm at. And I don't go as long. Don't say amen too much on that one, all right? <laughs> so so there, there, there are people that feel ways that I can't change. And I embrace that. And if I can't change it, here's what I can't do. I can't make you 
or it my full-time life. So that my, all my thoughts and all of my life is centered on changing your view. I, I can't do that. I, and it was really tragic is when that happens in a marriage. Wow. I, 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 and I, and they, or when it happens on a, on a job. But here's what, here's what I love. Jesus said, if you're both willing, though, to come together and really resolve it, heaven will support you. So the third question is, how does heaven view your efforts to resolve conflict? Well, watch this, verse 18. Heaven supports it. Surely I say to you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Or in other words, what you agree with on earth will be agreed upon in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, whatever you say, whatever terms you come to, heaven says, I, I'm with it. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am where? There. I'm there. Now, here's what people often do. Now, I understand this verse is used to talk about uh, spiritual warfare and binding and loosing. And that's okay, but that's not the main focus of the text. This is about how we get along. The context, the neighborhood is talking about how you resolve conflict. And what he says is, if you two can get together, if you three can get together, if you four can get together, if you and the church or however elders get together and you can come to a conclusion, he says, I support you. Where two of you can get together, I'm there, I'm there, I'm in the middle of that. But you get to decide how you resolve this. If you want to see this lived out, look at Acts chapter 15 when the church had a disagreement in Acts 15 and they couldn't figure out what to do because there was the argument. It's also in, in Romans that had this big argument, you know, about, okay, whether you should eat certain meats or whether you had to keep certain feast days. And the Jews struggle with it because they said, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to keep all the feast days. And Paul said, no, you don't. And so there was this big debate, especially around this meat thing, you know. Can you eat meat offered to idols? So, you know, for example, when they would all, you know, sacrifice to God, different gods, they would slaughter the beef, right, slaughter the meat. And then some people would offer it and killing it, they'd offer it up to Zeus. And then they'd sell it. And so, you know, some people say, look, shoot, I don't believe in Zeus. That meat's a good price. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Give me some Zeus meat today. I don't care. <laughs> and they were Christians. And so they say Christians should be buying meat that was offered to Zeus. And so there was a dispute. And so they had to come to a conclusion. So what I love is that God says, I'm not going to come down and solve this. I want you to sit together and I want you to come to a conclusion. And whatever you bind, whatever you lose, whatever you agree upon, I'm there. See, all you two have to do is sit down and agree. All you have to do is sit down, and heaven supports that effort. But you've got to make the effort. I won't be there if you two won't agree. Fourth thing he says, which I think is important, is he shows us the boundaries of forgiveness. I think the boundary is important because some people really think forgiveness means I can do anything as long as I want to. And there are no boundaries. So how often should we forgive? I love the response that Jesus gives in chapter 18, verse 21. Peter said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How about seven times? Up to seven times. How about that now? You got to understand when he said that, and I gave you a hint of this last week. He was really doubling what the rabbis would say. The rabbis would say three times. So Peter said, how about six plus one? He knew Jesus was going to say, Peter, slam dunk answer, but he didn't. Here's what he said to him. He said, Jesus said to him, I did not say it unto you up to seven times, but say it with me, please. Say up to 70. 
times seven. 70 times seven. That's 490 times. I want you to forgive people 490 times. Now, you might go, wait a minute. So you mean you can steal my car 490 times? You mean you can, you can, <laughs> you can borrow money 490 times and not pay me back? You know, sometimes people interpret things and it makes Christians sound wimpy. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying be passive, be wimpy, be a doormat. Here's what he's saying. He's saying don't set a limit. I'll get to the good part in a minute. Hang with me, I promise. I'll balance it out for you in a minute. How many times have you done things wrong? 491? How many times have you been? How many times? Fill in the blank. I want you to notice, he wants Peter to understand that you need to elevate your vision of forgiveness. And you don't know how to manage forgiving people. So let me give you a balance. How do you manage forgiving people when it's unsafe? When it can harm you? So, Pastor, I get this part about forgiving, but if I let him back in the house again, if I give him the money or give her the money, if I let them back, they're violent, where do I draw the line? And and you believe it or not, in in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, God shows us in his own example how he responds to people he's forgiven. Adam and Eve in chapter 3 had sinned. Adam and Eve had partaken of the forbidden fruit. And then in chapter 3, verse 22, after they had said they're sorry, after they were forgiven, this amazing thing happens. He puts them out of the garden. Chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, here's the concern. Read this bold part with me. Least he do what? Put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and do what? Eat and live forever. That's the concern. If I leave man in this garden, it will get worse. He can no longer stay here. It's not safe. Even though he's forgiven, here's what God did. Verse 30, 23. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground from which he, had, he was taken. And verse 24 says a very interesting word. He drove. Man wouldn't leave on his own. He drove out the man. Imagine the day that God came and said, you've got to leave now. This is an eviction. You can no longer live in the Garden of Eden. I can't let you live in a comfortable place. You can't have this job. Not anymore. Sorry. This is tough. This is the difference between leadership and failure. He drove them out. He loved them. He forgave them. But he said no. Watch this now. And he placed cherubims at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every which way to to guard the way to the tree of life. He wanted to make sure they didn't get back in to this tree of life. So let me explain a couple of three things to you, first of all, so you don't get lost here. Number one, let's understand that the whole purpose in this is to protect them. He's not trying to hurt them. He's trying to help them get better. And that he knew that he knows that it's unsafe for them to stay in this garden. See, God wanted them to know the difference between good and evil. When they bit up the fruit, they bit the fruit, it was, it was a statement of rebellion. I'm going to live my way, do it my way, no matter what you say. That's what they were saying. 
Adam and Eve both partnered in this. Adam was there when the serpent was talking to Eve because the Bible said he, he gave her, he, once she bit the fruit, she turned and gave it to Adam. Didn't have to go get him. He was there. It's present. Like a lot of men sitting there in silence watching your, your family go down the tubes. And then acting surprised when everything's a chaotic mess. It's in that moment that God turned to Adam and to Eve and said, you just, you just can't stay. Because if you stay, you'll eat of the tree of life. Which means, and this is important, you'll stay this way forever. If I leave you in the garden, you'll never change. It's only through hardship. It's only through the, it's only through the pressure of tilling the ground differently. It's only through the pressure. You're not, and see, God, God knew. He knew. Can't stay here. Not like this. So what do you do? Here's what you do. Let me say, speak to two sides of this. Don't be the person that has to be driven out. That is my prayer for me. That I would not be the pastor. It can't be trusted. And God has to say, you know, Rick, you've had a good run. But you're watching pornography behind the scenes. You're sleeping with women behind the scenes. You're lying to your wife. You're lying to the church. So I'm going to expose you. I'm going to kick you out. You can't live in your garden anymore. You're stealing from your job. You're not living up to the standard of your title. So I'm going to expose you. A lot of what you see is God. A lot of what grieves you is God said, I gave him a whole year, two years. I gave him 20 years. I gave him all kind of stuff. Especially when he's a teacher of the word. You're counseling other people about your problem. Adam knew better. Eve knew better. This was, these, this was a willful decision. This was not an accident. They didn't stumble into this. They decided. And I want you to hear me. That's why people who decide like this scare me. Because I know what's going to happen. Sometimes when they come to me, I know what happened. God drove them out of their garden. And, and because they would not, no matter what, stop. And so, sometimes God will remove you. Flip the switch, though, and ask this question. This is number five on your list. Have you ever been the person who needed to be forgiven? There's a word missing in your notes, by the way. Sorry for the you we forgot. Have you should be a you there needed to be forgiven because you owe too much. What I love about Jesus' discussion about this whole forgiveness thing is he says there's two sides. The person who is offended and the person who offended. And if you've ever been the person who did the offending, you have an interesting perspective. And here's what he said about that, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But he was not able to pay. His master commanded that he be sold and that his wife and children and all that he had 
and that payment be made. Now, if, if, if they, you know, there used to be something called debtor's prison. You know that, right? When you owe, a lot of you, they would put you in jail. They, literally, they came and got you. And in certain parts of history, they would get your children and your family and everybody, and everybody went to jail. And you had to work hard labor, and hopefully one day you'd get out. But that's how they resolved that. So that's what was told to this guy. The um, Bible knowledge commentary, I put a note at the bottom of your, in the bottom of your notes. It's called, I call it deeper look study notes. It gives you the quote from the Bible knowledge commentary that talks about this whole section. and explains that when, when you look at what the guy owed, 10,000 talents, literally the Bible knowledge commentary calls it millions of dollars. He wants to just see, he doesn't say an exact amount, just millions of dollars. How do you owe millions of dollars in this culture? I don't know. Maybe he was an entrepreneur, got excited, got happy. I don't know what happened, but some way he owed this guy millions of dollars. And so what happens, look at number six, you know, it's Matthew 18, 26. Amazingly, this guy gives him another chance. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience. Read it with me, please. Master, have what? Patience, patience with me. Look at this. Master, do what? Have patience with me. And I will pay you all. How are you going to do that? You can't pay this back. Verse 27. Then the master of, the, of the, that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. That is astonishing. Wow. 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 All of a sudden, have you ever been the person who was wrong and then all of a sudden it turned out and worked out for you? Have you ever been in that place where somebody walked in and said, hey, let me give you another chance. I'm not going to fire you for this offense. You ever been stopped by a police officer, lights on, you're praying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And then he says, you know what, I'm going to let you go. It, it was amazing. I remember one time I got stopped um, and um, I was, um, I really didn't see the light change. And the guy, he looked at me and then, you know, it's like, okay, if you're going to stop Pastor Rick, you know, don't put the lights on in front of the department store. I tell you, if you remember service merchandises, right, it used to be, I, I was right at the front door of service merchandise. And, and he had the blue lights on, and I'm thinking, can we pull over? You know, people are coming out looking at me, sitting in the car. You know, oh, there's the preacher man on TV. Look at him. He, he, they must have finally caught him. Anyway. So, so, so I'm sitting there, man, and, and he looked at me, and, and I had this, I said, did I, did, he said, you, you, ran, you ran the yellow light. I said, I, I, I did. I said, I, I thought it was, and he looked at me, and he said, you know what, you really didn't see that, did you? I said, no, I, I didn't. I'm going to give you a break today. He said, God bless you today in Jesus' name. May heaven fall upon you, boy. He let me go. It was great. Wrong, but given grace. Part of it was tied to a good attitude. Why are you stopping me? You're just trying to see. That's how you get in all kinds of places you don't want to get. When you don't have the power, be quiet. Come on, say amen, right? Deal with stuff later. Learn how to manage the moment. Everybody's just trying to work it out here. He's trying to work it out. I'm trying to work it out. And we're all a little bit nervous. So we need to be calm. He forgave the guy. Gave, gave him another chance. 
Well, look with me at number seven in your notes, final question. Have you forgotten, have you forgotten what you were forgiven? Have you forgotten somebody who gave you a chance? Chapter 18, verse 20, 28. But that servant went and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Come on, everybody say one day's wage. Now he owed the other guy millions. This guy owed him one day's wage. All the guy had to do was work one day and he could pay him back. Leave him alone. Let him work one day. He could pay you back. Now watch what happens. And he laid hands on him. Took him by the what? Throat. That's aggressive. Pay me, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, please have patience with me, and I will pay you all. I'll owe you one day. If you let me work tomorrow, I can just pay you back. And he would not. But he went out and threw him into prison till he should pay his debt. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Threw him into prison. It's amazing how you forgot. You get saved. Come to God. Forgot how much weed you used to smoke. <laughs> yes, they're still looking for you stuff that you did. Nobody know you did. Oh, yeah, come on, smile in church now. Jesus' name, thank God. And like you have no clue that you've, you've been wrong. You have been wrong. You have been wrong. You may not have done anything criminal, but you have been wrong. You have been wrong. Your mom and dad don't know all you did. Come on. You didn't tell them everything. Come on. My mama still don't know. Today, a few things. Maybe she looked up when she got to heaven, but I didn't tell her. Hmm. No. Oh, Jesus, help me, God. That woman's hilarious. <laughs> Matthew 18, 31. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved. When other people saw what he had done, they were grieved. And they came and told his master all that he had done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, now watch this now. Other people saw it, went and told the guy he owed money to. And here's how the guy described it. This is important. Let's look at pastor for a second. When you... You got to get this right. You got to put this in the right box. You got to put this in the right box. Okay. I'm not telling you to let anybody abuse you endlessly. There's a time when they can't stay in the garden. You got that part? Say amen if you do. But there is a time when you, if you're not careful, can forget that you are not perfect. And, and, And when the master, his master called him back in, he described him as wicked. pretty strong term. He said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you in your family from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespass. Final thoughts. Don't be the kind of person that refuses to change 
and has to be, has to be driven from a garden. And don't be the kind of person who forgets that you sin too. Father, help us today. Find the balance in our lives as we engage with each other. I pray that the Holy Spirit would help us know when this is something we can't redeem. This is a moment that we don't control. Because no matter what we do, no matter what we say, we can't make people change. There's a moment when God is the only one. But there are moments, Lord, when I need to let it go. And I, can, I need to, in my heart, even if, mm, mm, wow, even if it can't be, look at me for a second. I struggle in this prayer because as a Christian, we are absolutists sometimes. You can't see two things. So if you work for me and I'm your boss, if I'm a Christian and I love you and you make me lose $100,000, forgiveness means I let you stay. Not really. (laughs) Don't mean that. Forgiveness doesn't mean you don't go to jail for that. It doesn't mean that. Grace sometimes allows you another window. You got to balance this out, and it is about choosing. It is that's why that I love the idea. He said you call the elders, you call two, you call three. That sometimes you need a group, you need group group counseling to decide. You hit me, okay, and you said you're sorry, okay. So we need to go get counseling. So now you hit me again, okay. So I want you to understand, there's, there's a moment. There, there's a moment here. That this path means one day you may put me in a place where I have to defend myself. I've known women who killed their husbands in self-defense, and she went to jail too because of the way she managed that moment. See, there are all kinds of in, in, in intricacies in there, the delicacies. You, see, my problem is you're in a place you don't have any business being. You, you don't want to be here. You, you, don't, you, know what I'm you understand what I'm saying? This is, we don't need to be here. Because I can't control what may happen here. You can't control what may happen here. You may hurt me and not mean to. I've seen that. I've seen this happen. You may not mean to make me run, out, run me out of business, but if you keep treating my clients this way, and I've told you once, twice, three, four, five times, okay, you can't be late. You understand? We open at 8 o'clock. You can't come here at 8.30. I apologize that you have trouble with your, your car every week, but you, I don't, you can sleep outside in a tent. You need to be here when we open. That's not something I'm responsible to install for you. Come on, say amen if you hear what I'm saying to you. That's not my business. I mean, I mean that in love. But I can't. So if I fire you, that doesn't mean that I don't love you and I'm not forgiving you. It means that I'm not going to allow you to stay this way forever. There's a word. You got it? So that I need to say this because I understand that forgiveness, some of you are clouded a little bit. You're going, well, what do I, what, here's what you should do. Lay yourself down before the altar like this guy did. I love this last story. 
and say, I owe a million dollars. I have wronged so much. I have done so much wrong. Now forgive me, and this is it for the last time, and mean it. Mean it. Mean it. God, mean it. And if you need, if you need help, if you need, you need, you need support. So you need the right pieces. Sometimes you need people in your life. I'm this way because I don't have the right people surrounding me. The bookends, you know. For me, it's reading and praying. It's being in the Word. It's, it's, it's. Those things are bookends for me. They hold me stiff. They hold me tight because I'll ooze, get angry when I shouldn't be, say things I shouldn't say. But if I stay tight, I'll be okay. I won't need to be forgiven so much. So, Lord, I, I don't know where this lands in everybody's mind, but I pray that what I've said, your word would just make it come alive for them. Because somebody needs to be forgiven and somebody needs to forgive. So today, for the family team to survive, they've got to put this in balance. But I pray above all that when they leave here, here's one thing I pray. I pray that all can be forgiven today and that we can have a brand new start. And I pray that no one has to be driven from the garden. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that your word would come alive in their hearts today. And they would leave here and say, this helped me so much. In Jesus' name. Father, I also pray for people who don't know you as Savior today. Many of them have thought about asking you for a new beginning, but they've never really made that start. Let this be that day. When they say, Jesus, today I acknowledge you. I need you in my life. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. And I ask you, Lord God, to do for me what only you can do. Save me and forgive me. I don't deserve to be in the garden, but I thank you for a chance to stay. I thank you for a chance. You died so I can do this. You gave your life for me. And so now I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life today. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Rick, that is my prayer. I need to give my life to God today. I, I came here. I'm a good person. I'm trying, but I have not really surrendered my life to Jesus. And the prayer you just prayed is for me. Raise your hand so I know who I'm going to say one final prayer for. Anybody say, that's me, Pastor. Raise your hand so I can pray for you. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor. That's my prayer today. I know that my life, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Father, I pray for those who raise their hands and their hearts today. And those who are home, may this be the day that they, their lives change forever. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. At the end of the service, if you are a person who...